Welcome to this episode of Flint CXO Bytes. Really glad you could join us. Flint's the Future Leaders Program for the Tech Users Association of New Zealand, or two ends. And I'm Craig Young, the CEO. This is a show where we talk informally with a well-known influential leader about their leadership journey and ask some questions about leading in these disruptive and transformative times. I really hope you enjoy today's episode, so let's get on with it. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to have you here today. We're um, doing another one of our round of CXO bites, which um, we've really um, enjoyed. Um, it's been great to see the engagement that we've been getting with these. And uh, today, I'm really thrilled to be able to talk to Charlotte Walsh from Jade Software, um, an iconic New Zealand software brand. So we might talk about that at some stage. Um, but we're going to get right into it and say uh, kia ora and good morning, Charlotte. Kia ora, Craig. Great to see you. Yeah, you too. Hey, look, we've been starting these. I know we're at level two now, and um, we're sort of slowly moving back to offices, and I presume Jade's got some plan to get back that way. But um, we've been talking about home office setup. Um, obviously, I've got a virtual background because I really want to be in a cafe, but I'm not. Um, and you're, you're at home. So what, have you, what did you do when suddenly you were at home? Um, well, uh, I'm a bit of a roamer. So um, I'm not really good at sitting in one place. So, you know, whether I'm, it was back in the office before or, or in fact now, um, I'm not really good at being in just one place. So, so I tend to move around the house and I, I, that's why I love my iPad or my laptop. So um, I was just having a meeting before and I was standing in the laundry, um, not because it was a great place to be, but because I was hiding from the dog who was making a lot of noise. Uh, right now I'm in a room with some books and a gas fire. So that's nice and warm. And um, I just like to, I like to move around the house basically. And I think the kind, I find that um, in being in this um, work from home space, I spend so much time in uh, video conferences. It doesn't really matter where I am. It's not like I have to find somewhere much of the time to bash out stuff on my laptop. It's more sort of consuming and discussing and reviewing. And so um, it doesn't really matter where I am for that. Uh, Having said that, in level four, I took some meetings walking, which was great. Um, but I tried to do that the other day, and I was blown away at the traffic. I could not do a walking meeting um, with the traffic because I was on and off mute the whole time. It was crazy. But yeah, anywhere is, is a great place for an office. You know, park bench, um, good for me. That's that's a really good point. That traffic thing, I've really noticed that as well. We we're near. Um, we live in Silverdale up uh, the coast from Auckland, and we have an yep. intersection here which's right nearby us. It goes out to Fongaroa. And at level four, you could stand there and not see a car for, you know, minutes at a time. Now it's just crazy again. Hey, look, we're talking Uh about leadership this morning, not about our traffic uh, uh, things. As an introduction, do you want to just give a a little bit about your background, how you've got to where you are now? Um, We we mentioned beforehand you're on the board of Enable, so you've got some connection to connectivity in Christchurch. But yeah, so um, how about a little bit of a story about who you are and where you've got here? Okay, cool. Um, Well, let's see. Uh, in fact, when I came on to today, um, we commented on the fact I had my Star Trek bridge yeah. um, virtual background on. And um, and that's ever since I was tiny, uh, I've been a huge Star Trek fan, uh, you know, particularly original series and then on from there. But what that meant was that um, 
when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an astronaut. And, uh, and turned out that that helped me figure out how to be quite planful about things. So I'm not actually an astronaut, of course, now. So that, so that plan failed. But the good part about it was I, it got me in the way of thinking, right, well, if I want to be there, then what do I need to do to get there? And so I think when I was nine, I, I wrote to NASA. They, they nicely sent something back telling me how I could get to be an astronaut and the steps I needed to take. So I kind of lined up my school and then university against that. Um, and then realized that, you know, there were probably some other things that made sense to do instead. But um, so then, so that led me through to university doing, um, ended up with a master's physics. And then I thought I'd like to go and do something for six months, earn some money, and then he'd often do the OE. But I got into a job in a plastics factory as a quality assistant, which was hugely embarrassing, uh, you know, in terms of talking with a, <laughs> with a physicist. Oh my God, you went from like, from physics to doing plastic, you know, oh, that's terrible. But, um, but actually, uh, things turned in such a way there that um, my boss left and then I got an opportunity to, to you know, to uh, take on their role. And so I then just kind of started on this path of going, well, that's cool. Uh, you know, this is really interesting. I'm learning things. I'll go to the next step and the next step. And so I've kind of, from there, I've never actually then gone and done the OE, but I've, I've just stepped my way through um, a variety of roles. And so that first company was a, a plastic food packaging company. I learned um, in printing and, and I learned a huge amount there about, um, particularly from our customers in the food sector, uh, and so in FMCG, and about how they understood users' needs. So not just what people said they wanted, but actually what was the emotional driver underneath that. And that the learnings from that actually taught, taught me a huge amount that I sort of took forward into future roles. So I spent um, about 13 years in the manufacturing sector, um, and then moved in, through from um, you know quality into sales and operations and various things like that. And then I moved across into um, med tech sector, um, where I was the started off in operations and moved into the CEO role of dynamic controls here in Christchurch, which are doing control systems for wheelchairs and things. Um, but that was an amazing role because we got to be based here in New Zealand uh, for as a subsidiary of a US company. Um, so we got loads of autonomy. We sold you know all over the world and got to make a real difference in people's lives. And that whole concept of understanding our, our wheelchair users' emotional drivers was quite foreign to a very kind of engineering motors mm. kind of an industry, if you like, which seems weird because, you know, you think, well, everyone would be thinking about the, the user's experience in the wheelchair, but they kind of weren't. So, so bringing that FMCG experience to our thinking and dynamic controls um, really made a big difference to our uh, innovation path and the, you know, the experiences we're able to, to create for our customers and their end users. And then, um, so that was, that was manufacturing and software, hardware and so forth. And then, then from there, I, uh, two and a half years ago, moved to, so I was with Dynamic for about 11 years and then moved to Jade about uh, two and a half years ago. And that, that sort of cemented then the move away from manufacturing in total and across to software. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's been sort of that journey from manufacturing to manufacturing, including software to just software. That's kind of, feels like a microcosm of the New Zealand, of part of the New Zealand story in some yeah. ways. Hey, that's a, that's a really interesting question in there because one of the things that we go, one of the events we're going to be doing for our Flint people, we haven't announced it yet, we're doing a, a, a two-part series on how to plan your career given, you know, we've been through a pandemic because, um, you know, the, the economic environment and job redundancies, et cetera, is, is slowly hitting us. Um, and one of the questions I know that the people, that people have already asked me about was how do you take how do you identify the skills that you can take across industries particularly in yeah. leadership and and you've moved from well printing and packaging 
across the software, like you said. So how did you identify or know the sorts of skills that you wanted or could be able to take from one industry to another? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I, I didn't really think of that up front, if you like, but so maybe first in terms of career planning, when I was, I'd been at the packaging company for maybe about a year or so, and the CEO brought in a guy to sort of an organizational design guy who got us talking, spoke with us individually about you know, what our aspirations were. And I hadn't really stopped to think since I'd left kind of physics and decided astronauting wasn't going to be my thing. And, um, and so um, and so I hadn't really thought about what next. And, and, and that discussion really got me thinking about actually what do I want next? I thought, well, I would really like to be the CEO or the MD of a large company. In fact, you know, that's, that's what I want to be doing. And so then that, help, that then helped me to identify the steps I wanted to take to get there. So I was quite planful about that and set dates and targets and that sort of thing. So I've stepped my way through against that plan, which is all well and good. But, um, but I, think, um, I think in terms of uh, looking at how do you take skills from one industry to another, to me that is, um, really comes down to, to examining your way of thinking or building your skills in, in terms of your way of thinking and um, and perhaps in terms of the also the people leadership side of things. So if you kind of think about what are the what are the skills that people need, no matter what industry it is, they're always going to need people leaders, or you know every industry needs people leaders. Um, and then there are coordinating type roles like program managers and project managers, for example, which kind of run across things. Um, and um, and I think so. I think to me anyway. Um, rather than being a technical expert, but of a jack of all trades. And so it's the people side of things, which really was my path across those. And I think that probably then when I look at how to take something from one industry to another, I'm usually looking at a people-based thing and how to bring that from, from one to another or a, a, a understanding of behavior. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, we've asked everybody this question, and I know I sent it through to you, but, you know, it's, it's sort of the negative one to start with. But can you think back of an example in your leadership journey when – you learned something that you probably should have done slightly differently or done better and sort of how's that influence what you do now? Oh yes. There's one that really stands out in my head and it, it always kind of grounds me when I, um, <clears throat> when I think about my journey and kind of, in a, if I'm in a situation like this, it, it, I, it always sort of flags up and that is that. So um, early on in my uh, people leadership career, I was, um, uh, manufacturing manager in an organization and um and we we brought brought a couple of companies together and there was an individual who was very very technically good um and in a leadership role uh, like a team leader sort of a role um but really had really bad behaviors um so a bit of a workplace bully and um and i was I knew that values were a really important part of, of you know, how to lead and how to create a great organization, but we'd never, we weren't in this company. We weren't explicit about our values. So I kind of, I never sort of knew how to attack it and how to deal with it. And I didn't really think about how, who to ask to help me to, to deal with that either. We didn't sort of have a, an HR department or something like that either. And so, so um, uh, I passed my problem person on to someone else which was just awful. So I passed my problem. I knew it was a problem. I passed on to someone else because I wasn't sure how to deal with it. And then that person carried on the organization for many, many years and caused a lot of bad experiences for a lot of people. And I always think back to if I just had been, if I'd stopped and asked for help and been braver, 
I could have dealt with that and saved a whole lot of people a whole lot of grief for a long time. And so always that thing, it always comes back to me whenever I um, see situations that aren't playing out well. One is, you know, what's the leader doing or not doing? Where are the values at play in this? You know, how obvious are they? Are the conversations happening around behavior and values? And, um, and uh, is this person really a fit? And if they're not, they're, they're yeah. for everyone, for themselves and us, they're best off. Yeah. Yeah, those hard conversations, they're, they're, they're the tough things to learn as you go through your leadership yeah. career, aren't they? But once yeah. once you realise that you, yeah. this is part of the journey, you've got to yeah. get into it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, yeah. there's this, this word that's used a lot, and I'm just listening to you, and it's this authenticity, you know, bringing yourself to the role and the job that you are. I mean, what do you think authentic leadership means and, and how does it play a role in what you do? Um, and can I, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, not contributional, but a little bit. We did a seminar, a webinar with your team last night. There was four blokes on the screen. They all were, three of them worked for you. Um, you. You are a female leader. So, you know, can you also bring that into it as well? Because there's a lot of talk around at the moment about how well, you know, women prime ministers or women leaders have done during the COVID period against the blokes. And I just wonder if you could perhaps bring sure. a little bit of your personal experience to that. Okay. Um... Well, maybe I'd just I'd I'd first say just to the to that I think in um in our uh, in my leadership team um, of my direct team uh, I think basically fifty percent of us are female so um so some really good diversity there in that sense we're trying to look at how to bring more diversity into the rest of the organisation as well um, but good start with the top yeah. um, and then but then in terms of the that question of authenticity. Um, so I mean, I was brought up. My you know parents always said you know be yourself. It's always a you know better way to be. And then um, uh, and then I think along the way um, I found that by just being myself, it's I, I've if if you, if I if I bluff something, I'm never going to get to ultimately ultimately where I want to get to. People can see through it, and um, and it's not how I want to lead. So being myself is really important. And part of that is um, is you know bringing my whole self to work. Uh, and that means, um, you know, so like uh, many, many years ago, uh, when I first started at work, I was a little bit worried about the fact that I had a same-sex partner and how would a factory environment sort of deal with that and how would that play out. Um, and actually, I learned a huge amount out of that around the value of just being myself and that actually everyone was cool with stuff and it was no big deal. And and it really kind of cemented, I think, my relationships with the, with the guys on the floor and, you know, with the, with the rest of the organisation in different ways because... I was just there being myself and I was, it was a, it was a better relationship as a consequence of that. And that's played out through my career, if you like, in that same sort of way. Um, so, but being yourself, sometimes people think, well, you know, being yourself is a thing you do as a, as opposed to being. And also it doesn't, it also doesn't excuse you from, from examining or challenging yourself. So I think quite often people go, Oh, I'm just being myself. You know, if you think I'm being, if you think I'm a bit of an ass, it's just, well, it's just me. It's like, well, actually, actually, probably you should just stop and lead yourself or examine yourself, challenge yourself about your motives. So what I, so I try to challenge myself about my motives. Why have I thought this? Why am I in this paradigm? Have I gone down a rabbit hole? What is this about? Why might I be influenced into thinking this way? And if I, if I'm aware of, if I try to be aware of myself and challenge myself, then I think I'm better at bringing myself yeah. authentically, if you like, or you know, being yeah. genuine in how I show up. And so, so that's a, that's a really important part. It's something that we've been um, 
uh, we've been learning around a, around a sort of a framework or a tool set at Jade um, called Crucial Conversations. And many people have heard of this, for, it's been around for many years, but it actually is a really great tool set because it starts with examining yourself and your motives before you then get into the kind of stories, if you like, that, um, or, you know, difficult conversations as a consequence. So, so I think, so that's a part of it. Um, and then to your question in terms of um, the women lead a piece with the COVID situation and so forth, I, I think to me, it's, um, it's not, it, it's not so much about, if you like, gender might be uh, a symptom of the fact that, so gender differences or focus on gender to me is maybe a symptom of what you're actually looking for is diversity of thought mm. and, and experience. And if you bring together people who have had diverse thought and experience um, and, uh, um, and maybe in their journey with their, with being different from the norm in some way, they've had to bring their, their you know, authentic, transparent yeah. self to conversations, yeah. maybe means that, um, that they're better equipped to be transparent or be genuine mm. in that way than maybe someone who's, who's always been in a norm situation and hasn't had to challenge themselves to, to step outside of that. Yeah. So I think it's more about, to me, it's more about diversity of experience and how you recognize that in yourself and what you bring and how you bring that to work. That's, yeah. that's kind of more important. Yeah. Hey, look, there's some real gems and just what I've heard from you, Shiach, out there. that I've had lots of time, I'd like to talk to you. Just, just one of them is um, that thing about if you're being an ass, if you're being authentic, it's not an excuse. You're absolutely right. It's about... Um, we develop through our lives as people and as individuals and we learn some of those things sometimes quite um quite painfully um mm. what we should and shouldn't do or how we should express ourselves um yeah. yes yeah. yeah absolutely yeah hey um so so that's that's you as a leader what do you look for um in leaders and particularly you know this this will be viewed by people in that sort of demographic 18 to 30 what sort of things should they be thinking about in developing as a leader? Sure. Um, is it, when I um, when I think of this, I th think about uh, an interview I did for one of my team. Um, you know, when we were looking for for a person to come to this role, and and there was and and this particular team member when they interviewed, there was just something about them that absolutely got me. And and I think when I sort of examined that, <clears throat> what it was was that they were. They, they were just really obviously good at leading themselves. So they understood who they were, you know, fairly well. Um, and they, and they had developed a, through knowing themselves and being sort of tested along the way and being aware of that, they developed a resilience mm -hmm. and they just had this, this real um, uh, emotional maturity, if you like. And that, that lead yourself piece is such a fundamental starting point. So, so when I came across that, it was like, oh man, I think I've, I know that I've got the right person here. You know, it could be all sorts of other things, but actually yeah. they know how to lead themselves. So that's kind of the first piece. And then I think beyond that, um, you then get into things that may be a little bit more obvious, if you like, but um, around empathy and curiosity, both of those things are super important yeah. for me and what, what I look for. And then fundamentally, you know, even if you've got the, like, the most techie role in the world, um, I'm looking for someone who, even if it's not a people leader role, even if it's a technical role, I'm still looking for someone who gets a buzz out of unlocking people. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, even if it's a deeply technical role, I want them to be thinking about how do I share this with others? How do I 
that insight or that spark that that you know aha moment that I had you know five years ago when I came across this thing and uh, this technical thing and it really drove me on how do I bring that to others so how do I light sparks and and, and other people and so that's um, it's very, very much that doesn't matter whether it's a formal people leadership role or not. Definitely in technical roles, I think sometimes people go, well, there's a technical path and there's a people path and you sort of choose one or the other. And almost, almost in a way that kind of allows technical people to, um, or kind of forces maybe technical people to abdicate from some of the people piece. But actually, um, you know, the best te technical people I've come across are the ones who are really passionate about sharing that excitement with others. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, I can understand that. I mean, you've got um, someone at your organisation, Edward uh, Liebenberger, who we've spoken to several times. He's got that passion mm -hmm. about the things that he does and it comes across. Um, mm -hmm. But we've only got a couple of more minutes and I just want to talk about, you know, the reason why we're talking remotely and why we started this is because we went into lockdown, incarceration, whatever you want to call it. Someone used that word yesterday. I wasn't quite sure why. <laughs> but, um, what, what leadership skills do you think... Uh, you have come to the fore for you during this little period of time? Um, I think, um, I think a couple of things. Uh, one is um, we've all had to, it, it, within myself and, and my team more broadly, we've all had to really think about uh, how we connect with each, each other one-on-one. -on -one. So, and the importance of those one-on-one -on -one conversations that you kind of take for granted as you kind of slide past each other on the way to the coffee cart. But, um, but actually we've put real energy and um, present, you know, being present for those one-to-one -one conversations in a different way. So, um, so, so that's a, a really <clears throat> big part of the, if you like, the sort of personal leadership side of things. Um, the other is I've just been blown away by our people and their resilience and inventiveness and, um, and their willingness to try new things and to um, and all and all around, how do we help our customers in this situation? Um, yeah. And so, you know, so I've seen some great things happen um, within within the way my people are working. But the the reason that matters is because it's been focused around when we think of our customers and the experiences they're going through. Some of them have been quite heavily impacted, and and so you know with the. I love seeing the team focused on, well, how do we help them in this situation? Let's understand this. How can we help them through this? What's a little bit of magic that we can bring to this situation? Yeah. Um, so it's that, in terms of the leadership side of things, that, that's a big part of the last wee while. And then I think um, lastly, the, the other part is we've actually, there've been some real benefits for us out of working remotely. And we're looking at how do we capture the benefits of that, sort of the level playing field that we've been getting out of all being remote um, when you've got multiple sites. Um, so how do we capture the benefits of that and the benefits of before the lockdown? And, um, and so that kind of hybrid way of working is something which is we're, we're sort of playing with at the moment. What might that look like? And the challenge for um, myself, uh, what I've been sort of challenging myself on is, but how do you lead when you're in a, in a remote situation? How do you lead if all your people are distributed? What does that look and feel like? Because I'm used to coming, particularly coming from manufacturing, I'm used to, you walk the floor, right? And um, you know, you're on the gamba. And, 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 and then, um, but now in this way, you, you're not there in that same sort of way. So how do, you, how do you do that? And there are lots of really good tools and tips that I've picked up from others and, and that the team have picked up from others that we're, we've been using and deploying. Um, and you know, that, that's been great, but it's still, 
I still have an uneasiness about how do I change my paradigm around what real leadership looks like and feels like to others from me in a distributed workforce kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, look, I just want to ask you one last question. It's, it's a bit more personal based more than, than the CEO Jay, but you know, we've been through this uh, period, you know, we've all suffered, well, suffered isn't the right word. We've all gone through all sorts of emotions, you know, during lockdown, uh, being happy, not happy. Um, we're heading into quite what I think will be quite tricky times. Um, mm. You got any personal piece of advice that you might want to just share with, you know, with our future leaders around, you know, how to keep going, how to stay focused? Sure. Um, you know, it, it, there's always a risk with these things that it sounds kind of trite. And so, you know, I sort of apologize in advance if it sounds that way, because I think, I think we are, in difficult times and will continue to be and for some even more so. So um, it's easy to say some of these things are harder to do, but what I, what I would, if I'd come back to the core of it is that when, when we get stressed, we start to, the anxiety means that we start to build up stories about what's going on. And if you're feeling sort of isolated or, um, you know, away from the people who, who used to be your kind of your work family or, or, or any of those, even your actual family and friends, if you're feeling isolated, it's very easy to get totally stuck in those stories and to go down rabbit holes. So, so I would, what I'd really say to people is, is, is try to stop and think about the things, the things maybe you're spiraling with, lay them out, identify, name them as stories and then, you know, we all ha we all have agency, you know, to a larger or lesser degree. Use that agency to just take small steps to to step yeah. away from the stories, to to reach out to someone for help, whether that's like in a mental health way or a financial way, or even a, um, hey, look, I've got an idea, but I don't, I'm spinning in my in my own mud trying to figure this one out. Can you, you know, can I bounce it off you? Or or in some cases, actually helping others can be a good way to step yeah. away from from your yeah. own things as well. So. I think identify, don't get stuck in the stories, identify them, name them, shame them, put them off to one side and, and, and use that, you know, use that agency just to, even if it's small steps each day, just to, to start to yeah. take hold of it or take, take yeah. some control back. Yeah. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Hey, look, everybody, um, we're going to call it uh, to a close in a moment. Um, this video from this will obviously be on our YouTube channel uh, later today. Well, I'm having a bit of fun editing day, uh, videos today. And, and also if you haven't picked up, we, we now have podcasts, so we're taking the audio from these and we're putting them on the Apple iPod app and uh, Google iP uh, Google Podcasts, if you haven't seen that. So um, people can listen to these again and you can share them with people And uh, when you're out and about. Um, in the two weeks' time, we're doing our next CXO Bites. We're talking to Jolie Hodson, who's the CEO at Spark, and um, that should be great as well. But look, Charlotte, it's been a real pleasure to speak with you and um, thank you so much for giving us up uh, your time this morning for us oh not at all thanks so much for the opportunity to chat craig it's really cool thank you all right well we'll catch you again we'll see you around bye everybody cheers in bye-bye thanks for being with us this week you can keep an eye out for our next episode simply on our website twoans.org.nz you can join us live when we record the show, watch the video on the Two Ends YouTube channel, or simply wait for it to come out on this podcast. Thanks again, and we hope you join us next time.